Welcome to the Sunshine Satellite Story Podcast, mythology mashups and odd apologues for young audiences. I am your host, Amanda Louise, moving you through the realms of malicious monsters, meritorious heroes, through the practice of real and imagined magic, shining a light into the darkness and conjuring something meaningful out of chaos. Thank you so much for joining me again for The Viking and the Princess. This is chapter 14, which I believe is going to be our last chapter. I may have to add another one to the end of it, though. Our story is drawing to a close. Moidi and Ikeda have faced a variety of dragons, and they've learned from each one a different aspect of the transformative ability of chaos. Akeda, who is our overt representation of a hero, is being reborn as he wakes up from a death-like state, and Moiety, the covert representation of a hero, has risen from the pressurized depths of hell, bringing back an unknown treasure, which is the dragon's pearl, to combine with the known threat, which is the mechanical heart. Both heroes learn that their main antagonists are not each other, but forces inside their own psyche. Our quote is from the 1979 winner of the Pulitzer Prize for Nonfiction, Douglas R. Hofstadter, Metamagical Themas, Questing for the Essence of Mind and Pattern, which is a book that explores the mathematical relationships in the creative process. And he says, it turns out that an eerie type of chaos can lurk just behind a facade of order. And yet, deep inside the chaos lurks an even eerier type of order. Akeda's eyes slammed open into a body filled with pain, and Moiety was crying, or more accurately weeping hysterically with snot free-flowing from her nose. He coughed. His mouth and nose were full of cottony, silkworm thread. You came back! As Akeda pushed through the layered wrappings of silk thread, he felt the pins and needles of blood flowing back into his small capillaries. It made him sneeze. Moiety was trying to hug him. He stiffened, and for a brief moment he considered utilizing her repentance and joy as a way to gain the upper hand in the relationship. Now that she wanted him, he could manipulate her more easily into being compliant. He would be able to use his approval or disapproval of her as endless currency to get what he wanted out of the relationship. He gave her a cold, distant look. What is wrong? she asked. Akeda continued in silence. She still looked like a wet cat. He remembered his half-finished book in the high mountain city and the importance that it had placed on his motivations above his actions. He considered the fact that the quality of his life would hinge not on what he accomplished, but his motivations underpinning his accomplishments. All Akadi could think of was her back to him sailing away in his boat. He wanted revenge on this woman for the way she had unfairly treated him, but he also knew from looking at his life book that it did not matter. He would only be right in the end if he was able to forgive her. No one in all eternity, especially not the old morning star, would ever care if his personal grievances were resolved to his satisfaction. The thing that would give his life meaning would be his ability to overlook the insult, to despise shame and choose love despite spite. 
Akeda again laid it down and let it go. He would be doing a lot of that. The north wind was long gone now. A soft, warm sunset had taken her place. Akeda stood up and promptly fell back down, and Moiety rushed to help him. You have been asleep for three days, the Leviathan informed him. Your strength will return. But to Moiety, he said, do not cling to him. He has not finished the transformation. You cannot help him in this, princess. You must allow him to gather his own strength, or his vitality will be stunted. He must generate his fortitude from within, or he will forever be dependent on women for succor. With considerable effort, the Viking pulled himself up to stand using a low tree branch for support. What is that clicking sound? Moidy listened. She could not hear anything but ocean waves and the residual breezes left behind in the jungle canopy from North Wind's impossibly long hair. Then she noticed it, not so much as a sound, but as a nagging feeling of urgency. Softly, the feeling reached her senses as an irritating sound. The muffled metronome was present and persistent, as persistent as time. It was sending out vibrations through the jungle soil like the concentric ripples on still water when a thrown rock breaks the surface tension. The Leviathan settled his considerable size next to the epicenter of the disrupting sound. He pushed aside some of the jungle hummus and found the chameleon's mechanical heart still clicking and whirring away into time immortal, just as she had promised it would. Dirt fell from the machinery smoothly, as if it contained something internally that repelled Earth at a fundamental level. It looked as new and shiny and black as it did the day it was first propositioned to her. At the sight of the cold, unflinching metal, Moiety remembered the mechanized birds and lizards swarming her body and drilling holes into her chest cavity. She shuddered a cold sweat at the helplessness of the repulsive night the piece of shame's tongue that had remained stuck to her ankle throughout her adventure began to heat up and pull towards the mechanized heart. Moiety backed away. Throw it away, she cried to Leviathan. Leviathan peered at her thoughtfully with massive eyes. Man is warped by mortality, yet has eternity woven into the weft of his heart. Therefore, he regards time not as a mercy, but as a horror. He smiled compassionately, exposing his dangerous teeth. He handed her the thing she most loathed. Let us see what we can make of it before we throw it away. The dragon sacrificially laid the pearl in the ground where he had extricated the mechanical heart and pushed the hummus back over the top of it. The Leviathan, the princess, and the Viking waited, watching the ground for signs of life. Only minutes passed before the damp soil rumbled into an explosion of growth. A hulking grapevine flourished and spiraled its way out of the loam, twisting itself up into the canopy. A cordon stretched out from the vine's trunk and reached for the mechanical heart in Moiety's hands. It began to coil its tendrils around the magnetic heart. Around and around it twisted, sending curling growths into every cold crevice, until it looked more like a sturdy nest built by a meticulous bird and a complicated metal pump. 
With this explosion of growth, Moiety could hear the melody again, the song that is inherent to the breath of life and implicit to the calling forth of the cosmos, slowly become audible just as the rising sun became gradually visible on the wings of the morning. The sunrise moves its reaching light like a curious gentle wave, washing and revealing the land that night had claimed. She graces through the grasses like a watercolor brush, leaving wet drops to dry in the still and sleepy hush. The water flowed from the roots of the vine and up into the leaves. Molecule by molecule, joined by loose hydrogen bonds, the stream wound its way through the vine and out into the atmosphere. Its thin, tiny current spiraled through the tendrils that had secured themselves and coiled around the anemic heart, creating, in the surrounding area, a variant type of electromagnetic field. She reaches further onward, untangling shadows from the trees waking their nightly residents, snuggled beneath the leaves. The morning moves on yonder, pooling on lighted breeze, the mighty sun up from her chamber, to traverse the canopy. The heart came alive. It was not ticking anymore. Instead, a vibrant, resonant rhythm aligned its cadence with the universal sound. The sun commands and rapt attention, each photosynthesizing leaf. They bow warm heads as she exits, like a sword into its sheath. The dead leaves that were scattered on the forest floor around it stood up and moved like iron shavings around a bar magnet into snowflake-style arrangements. River rocks waddled like round penguins towards each other balancing themselves one upon the other into tall rock cairns. Loose branches wattled themselves into beautiful, homey dwelling structures, and even the light surrounding the heart haloed itself into a perfect rainbow. In the background, the universal sound continued. Evening descends and drifts along with a ghostly, creeping grace. He calls to twilight as she goes and kisses her turning face. She leaves the delicate lightning bugs to twinkle in the grasses. He unrolls the shadows through the wood, deepening as he passes. Akeda thought it was the most beautiful thing he had ever seen. Moide was exhausted from exertion and trauma and observed with something of a detached diffidence. Another cordon reached out from the grapevine's main stem and coiled around the piece of shame's tongue. It fell off of Moiety's ankle, severed as effortlessly as brittle plastic, and was drawn into the heart's magnetic field. Once the tongue was inside the vine's power, a strange thing happened. The angry tongue thrashed side to side like a serpent with a severed head. It coiled and expanded, thrashing as though in a fire, and when it finally came to rest, it looked like a flat coiling of copper wire. It was rolled into a spiral snail shell shape, not unlike the ones that children make when they're playing with clay. The universal sound continued. The owls arrived to call their news from glen up to the ridges, while bats stream out like pouring rain from under darkened bridges. And now the cold sunrise winks a playful eye, 
to see the things the night has done while she was on the other side. This is your compass, princess, the leviathan explained. He picked it up and gestured for Moedi to take it. The compass looked tiny and earthly, common in his claws. Moedi turned it over in her palm. A month ago, she would have passed over such a simple item in search of some other bling. Today, she was thankful and loved it. The compass will become warm in your hand whenever you are facing true north. It will glow when you are being lied to, and it will strike a flame when you are cold. However, it will only work for its holder every turn of the earth. It must be passed back and forth, woman to man and then man to woman. If you cling to it beyond your allotted time, it will lose all power and be nothing but ordinary copper. The woman and the man knew that they would have to work together, each one yielding to the other to make it back home. They would continue to be completely different, yet if they would retain the power in the compass, they must stay as entirely equal. The Viking and the princess left the Leviathan on the island, deep in the grapevine jungle with the lodestone heart. Moiety looked over her shoulder at him as they were going. He was coiling himself around the heart's weavings amid the highly ordered garden, getting ready for another thousand-year nap. He yawned a great yawn, and his tongue, sentried by rows of violent teeth, curled up at the end like a tired puppy's tongue. He winked, and Moiety could hear his voice in her head. You will surely die on your way to life. Thank you for listening to this Sunshine Satellite Story Podcast. This is an original story by Amanda Louise Van Stratum. All rights reserved. For more original stories and poetry, including links to purchase text copies of my books, please visit me at sunshinesatellite.com. If you've enjoyed this story, please let me know by leaving me a review and rating in the comments section. I hope to hear from you soon.